the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Coming up this hour, we're going to talk about Ed Stetzer's article about the Equality Act, and then we're joined for two segments by Catherine McNeil, author of All Shall Be Well. You're listening to The Common Good. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. My name is Brian Fromm, joined for a second day in a row by Aubrey Sampson. Back in the studio. They let us back. They let you back. And you came back. So it's a trifecta. All kinds of miracles happen. It's a Friday. It's a Friday miracle. (laughs) And not only is it Friday, it's sunny out. Uh, It feels good. Our kids are off of school because apparently they don't go to They go to school. They need more days off, apparently. Apparently in February, they just don't go to school. This is like the fifth day off. And then next week, they have a day. Off. I don't know what's happening. I don't know. Then, of course, spring break's coming because we need spring break. So <laughs> they, they do. It was um, what is it? it's like a it's like a countywide uh, teacher institute day right. today. So all the kids and are the teachers home. deserve it. We, teachers, we want you to have sure. that institute day. Sure, <laughs> <laughs> we believe in you. We just don't like our kids at home. And because our kids are home, uh, Aubrey and I both decided to do the show from the studio today. <laughs> That's exactly right. Can we get out there? Can we go? So glad to have you back, and glad to have all of you with us on this Friday afternoon as we head towards the weekend and uh, we are excited to spend two hours with you. We got some great interviews today and uh, a little mm-hmm. later in the hour I'm going to share a story from Starbucks that I had from earlier this week because I need your advice. I need everybody to just tell me. I can't wait to hear whether this, Brian. I acted, uh, How you would have uh, responded to what I uh, ran into. So that's a little tease. That's going to be at the end of the hour. So one of the major things flying around right now that you see on the news is the Equality Act. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to jump in. We're just going to dive right in today. We're not messing around today. No, we're not. And so our friend, friend of the show, Ed Stetzer, who hopefully is going to be on the show next week where we can ask him more about this. Uh, I thought Ed wrote a really um, reasonable article. A balanced article. About, that's the word I'm I looking agree. for. A balanced yeah. article at, at uh, Christianity Today. It's entitled this, Swinging the Pendulum Too Far, the Equality Act is the most significant threat to religious liberty in a generation. So that says a lot that right there. Lot. That says a lot. And if, if you know Ed Stetzer at all, uh, and you and I both know him relatively well, mm-hmm. he is as locked in as they come. Yep. He even talks in this article about talking to people. He said, I've spoken to members of Congress in the House and Senate and to senior leaders of the, of the Biden administration. Uh, and so Ed really is kind of dialed in. And if you need to know more about the Equality Act, I'd encourage you to Google it. I more want to read kind of how Ed ends the article. So we're just going to jump to the end of the article because this is where he gets into uh, what's the problem. Because Ed himself says in here, well, let me read the first line of this last paragraph. He says, we should, without any ambiguity or hesitancy, affirm that all people, including those in the LG, uh, LBGTQ community, should be treated with respect and dignity. So that's a major tenet of what Ed is writing yes. here. Their civil rights matter. Yes. And so Ed's going to he, he wants to make sure that that is abundantly clear. 
And then Ed says this, but the Equality Act will swing the pendulum too far, creating a new discrimination towards those of religious conviction that go against the cultural flow that we now see. And he quotes the Council of Christian Colleges and Universities. They explain this pendulum swing this way. He says the, they say the Equality Act fails to provide essential religious liberty pr- protections that would allow a diverse group of social service and civic institutions to continue to thrive, in particular as it relates to the sector of faith-based higher education that has religious convictions around marriage, human sexuality, and gender, including CCCU institutions. These laws would conflict in ways that would put at risk their ability to hire and operate in accordance with their religious missions and would restrict student choice in an unprecedented way by preventing middle and low income students from being able to take their federal student aid to these institutions. And so that comes from them. And then let me read Ed's last two paragraphs. He says, uh, law professor Douglas Laycock spoke with this unbalanced uh, impact of the Equality Act as well when he said it protects the rights of one side, but attempts to destroy the rights of the other side. We ought to protect the liberty of both sides to live their own lives by their own identities and their own values. And Ed closes this way. Actions have consequences. The apparent consequences of the Equality Act becoming law are deeply concerning to many people of faith. The unintended consequences could be Hmm. even worse. So that's a mouthful. I thought it was important that we read a lot of what Ed wrote there because he has done a lot of study in this. And and the idea of the pendulum swing while saying that there needs to be dignity Mm -hmm. and respect. What do you what do you make of this whole topic and especially the things that that we read there from Ed Stetzer? I mean, certainly it's a hard topic and a sensitive topic. Mm -hmm. I think Ed is exactly right. Without Ambiguity without head hesitancy, we affirm that all people, including everyone in the LGBTQ plus community, should be treated with respect and dignity as people who represent the image of God, mm-hmm. period. Civil rights matter for everyone, period. That said, that means civil rights also should matter for religious groups, mm-hmm. for Christians, for churches, for these Christian colleges. Um you know, I think the really kind-hearted thing about Ed is he's saying, yes, I want this group of people to have their rights. I'm, right. I, I'm even going to fight for it. I'm going to talk to people in Congress. I'm going to. But therefore, I would like that same respect when I hold up this holy word of God that I believe tells me one thing. I would like mm-hmm. you to give me that same respect. So let's honor each other's yeah. civil rights. I, it, it you know maybe it's unreasonable to expect that, and I think the world is going the way that it's going. But. Um, I think he's right. That's some consequences there that Christians have to be mindful of. Now, not freaking out, not being fear mongering, never giving into hate. But um, if I'm going to fight for your rights, I want you to show me that same dignity as well. What do you think, Brian? Yeah, Ed does a great job in here of saying this isn't just a Christian issue, Christian, Muslim, Jewish and all this. And this is you and I both went to Wheaton College. Mm -hmm. He said at Wheaton College, where I serve, we have a community covenant that aligns our life and beliefs. We affirm the biblical teaching that marriage is designed and created for one man, one woman and one lifetime. The Equality Act would, in essence, say that our beliefs are unacceptable and that we must change. And that's why Ed is saying this is swinging the pendulum too far. And I I like something that you said there that that something Christians do all too often in this kind of conversation is go completely like the world is ending. Right. And right. The complete use the word fear mongering. Like, I don't think we need to go, oh, look at this. Within the next five years, our churches are going to be shut down if I won't do a same sex wedding. Yes. Or this. Yes. I don't believe that's happening. I do believe that there is a pendulum swing to use Ed's imagery within our culture that might make it harder for yep. churches. Yeah. Uh, 
Christian radio stations, yep. uh, Christian colleges. Yep. Uh, and I think that's something that we as churches really need to wrestle with. Like, where do we mm, f- fight? I don't like the word fight, but I use any word. Do we fight for our rights? Yeah. Where do we stand up? And then at the same time, because we haven't done this well, how do we show love, respect, and 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 that's dignity yes. to those who disagree with us? Because right. that's the way of Jesus that to is. Uh, to love your enemies, yep. pray for those, uh, to go to those who disagree with you, to treat them in such a way. This yep. is what's going to be difficult going forward for us as Christians. Oh, I, yeah. I mean, you know that that is kind of a shame because I feel like had we gotten that right all along, mm-hmm. loving people who are different from us, or especially loving the LGBTQ community, which we have not. Then I almost feel like we'd have some greater foundation on which to stand. But we're almost like, oh, because we haven't done that well now to demand our rights feels difficult. But Mm -hmm. I I do think it's going to take some discernment of the Holy Spirit to know the right way. Pastors, especially how to lead people in these conversations. And then to remember, I mean, I, you know, I hesitate to say this because. We have not experienced actual persecution Mm -hmm. in the state. Sometimes Mm -hmm. we think we have, Mm -hmm. but you look at uh, the underground church in China, you look at actual persecuted churches globally, they're dying for their faith. Mm -hmm. So I I get a little uppity when Christians start saying, we're being persecuted, we're being persecuted. But to also say, we were told that these days would come. Mm -hmm. We were told that God was going to be in them and using them. And so let us not be naive, but let us also not freak out and let's continue to ask Jesus, how do we live like you? How do we love our neighbors as ourselves? How do we spread the gospel and keep the main thing, the main thing, good. Uh, even as we seek God for what our mm-hmm. rights should be, you mm-hmm. know, that's good. I think a doubling down, if anything out of this, a doubling down on how do we love our neighbors? Well, there you and go. What's the reputation of the church going to be while taking this really seriously? I think Ed writes a really good article here. It's very measured. You can find it at Christianity Today. Uh, Swinging the Pendulum Too Far. That's a blog by Ed Stetzer. Well, coming up next, we're excited to be joined for two segments by Catherine McNeil. She's the author of All Shall Be Well, Awakening to God's Presence in His Messy, Abundant World. Catherine's going to join us next here on The Common Good, AM 1160. Hope for your life. everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good here on AIM 1160, Hope for Your Life. My name is Brian Fromm, joined again today by my guest co-host, Aubrey Sampson. It's good to be back. It is good to have you here. And speaking of coming back, we are thrilled to be joined by someone who has been in studio with Ian and I back in the day. Uh, that is author Catherine McNeil. Catherine, thanks for joining us again. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Brian and Aubrey. It's absolutely happy to be here. Absolutely our pleasure. So our audience can get to know you a little bit. Why don't you introduce yourself however you'd like? Well, I would love to. Like you said, my name is Catherine McNeil, and I am an author and a writer. I have two books out with Nav Press, All Shall Be Well, Awakening to God's Presence in His Messy, Abundant World, and Long Days of Small Things, Motherhood as a Spiritual Discipline. Mm. And I am enjoying this nice spring-like morning with my kids. Heaven! a little bit of sunshine, finally. Mm-hmm. We were joking today. Uh, we were joking yesterday, but today it's even warmer. It's forty degrees, and yes. it feels like it's basically summer here in Chicago. So it is very enjoyable. Yeah. Um, Catherine, I am a big fan of your writing. I love both of your books, and specifically, "All Shall Be Well." What a great subtitle! Awakening to God's presence in His messy, abundant world. That's so powerful. Um, <laughs> just thinking about that title after almost a year of pandemic, talk to us a little bit about how will all shall be well in coronavirus, in a <laughs> pandemic. Talk to us about that. 
Well, I'm so glad you asked, Aubrey, because the title makes it sound like this is a very cheerful, upbeat book. Mm -hmm. And it is hopeful, but a lot of what takes place in this book is happening in a time of difficulty or even possibly, I talk about despair in Mm -hmm. this book and I talk about suffering. Um, the, The title, All Shall Be Well, comes from a fairly well-known quote by Julian of Norwich. Um, She said, all shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. Um, But this took place, she said this, during a vision that she believes God gave to her while she was on what she believed to be her deathbed. She actually had the plague, Hmm. um, which was even worse than the coronavirus, as far as I understand. Um, she did not die. She did survive. She lived and was able to write down the vision that she had. But she and her family and friends all believed that she was going to die within hours, if not days. Um, and so it was in this moment of incredible suffering and darkness that she felt God saying to her, all shall be well. Wow. Not necessarily in my lifetime or in yours, mm. not in a way that we can see or understand, but ultimately God is in charge. God's hand is on us. God is present here. And ultimately, God will prevail. Mm. Um, so that's what I try to talk about in this book. I, I look at um, different aspects of creation, different aspects of our life on earth, and say whether it is a sunny or a cloudy day, whether it is day or night, whether it is summer or winter, where is God's presence? available to us? Where can we wake up and find that God is here, always nudging us to see that ultimately, even in our suffering, even in a pandemic, Mm -hmm. ultimately all shall be well. And, you know, I don't take it lightly. I I talk about death. Um, Our suffering is real and papering over it and pretending that it's not or that it's small or that it's light Mm. Um, doesn't help anybody. Right. I think it's important to be honest mm-hmm. and say God's good news, God's hope comes inside true pain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Catherine, someone listening out there right now whose life has kind of fallen apart, maybe related to the pandemic, maybe lost a job, health reasons, lost a loved one, or whatever else it might be. How do they start to grow in this perspective? Or how do they even begin to take this perspective of hope and that all will be well? Oh, that's such, that's such a big question. That's not a, a one-segment question, I'm afraid. Um, but I think it does, you know, the subtitle, Awakening to God's Presence. Um, it is a process. It's a long process. Um, pain can go on. Suffering can go for a long time. Sometimes we need the help of, I mean, always we need the help of friends and family right, and pastors right. and counselors and therapists and sometimes medicines and treatment plans. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the one step that we can all do today is to take a breath and declutter our minds for even just a second and say, you know, God, you are here. Yeah. God, you are present. Mm. Um, I walk through the prayer of examine in one of the chapters of All Shall Be Well, and that's just a short little spiritual discipline that is has been practiced for hundreds of years. Um, it invites you to look around your day and just kind of pay attention, like what has been going on today? What am I thinking about today? Where is the pain in today? Where is the joy in today? And then invite God to 
really step into those places. It's good. It's not that God's not already here. It's just that we forget. Right. Um, for me, at least, remembering that whether it's a joyful day or a day full of deep suffering and grief, God is present. Mm. God is right here, close enough to touch. So good, Catherine. Um, Catherine, I know a lot of what you write about are various seasons, both emotional seasons or life seasons, but also actual seasons in nature. And that makes me think about the fact that we are in the middle of a Lenten season. And I just wonder, how does your book connect to um, the season of Lent leading up to Easter? You know, All Shall Be Well is not a book about Lent, but the very first page of the first chapter is on Ash Wednesday, my family and I standing in line at church to get ashes on our foreheads. And spoiler alert, the book does end in resurrection. <laughs> so, <laughs> in a sense, it does follow the the cycle of Lent. Um, the word Lent actually means lengthen, hmm. meaning springtime. Uh, the days are lengthening. Because right now, you know, we're celebrating that it's sunny and warm, but we know that in a week or two, it's going to be cold again. But we're in that process where we're starting to posture ourselves towards the spring that's coming. The days are lengthening, but it's not here yet. Mm -hmm. And that is exactly what the season of Lent is. We are looking forward to the hope and the new life that is coming on Easter Sunday, but we're not there yet. We still have darkness and cold and the season of death to walk through. So I actually think that All Shall Be Well is a great book to read during Lent. Um, start with me on Ash Wednesday and walk with me all the way through to resurrection. I love that. That's good. That's good. Catherine, and we're thrilled that you're going to join us for a second segment. But before we do that, as we close out this segment, uh, what's the danger for people out there? A lot of us were led to believe, not even on purpose, that uh, that suffering is a sign that God is no longer there with us, that God has kind of abandoned us, kind of a prosperity gospel type of deal. Help people understand why that's so dangerous to believe in. Oh, it is oh, so dangerous and yet so common. Um, I think that's why I placed this book in all the cycles and seasons of our life, because as much as we love the sunny days, we're going to have darkness, we're going to have night. Yeah. Um, as much as we love summer, we're going to have winter. Mm-hmm. As much as we love new birth, we're also going to walk through death. Mm-hmm. And all this is part of the world that God created, and God the Christian view of God has always been that God is present with creation, has never left, has always been here. Mm-hmm. And the truly mind-blowing concept that Christianity has to offer us is that God came and suffered with us. That is just a crazy idea. Yeah, that the all-powerful, <laughs> almighty God yeah. came and suffered was even defeated momentarily by death, mm. um, but not for long. Yeah. And we never need to worry that God is absent in our pain. Absolutely. God has so proven good. that with his life. So good, Absolutely. Such a good word. We're thrilled to be joined by Kath McNeil, author of All Shall Be Well, Awakening to God's Presence in His Messy, Abundant World, as well as Long Days of Small Things, Motherhood as a Spiritual Discipline. Again, that website is Catherine McNeil, M-C-N-I-E-L, CatherineMcNeil.com. Catherine, in the first segment, we talked about All Shall Be Well. I'd love to transition a little bit to talk about your first book, Long Days of Small Things, because we, a lot of us, have been at home with kids for almost a year 
now, and it has felt like a lot of long days of small things. <laughs> and I'm just it wondering, has. <laughs> hasn't it? I know um, you're passionate about finding God's presence in seasons like this, and I just wondered how has this season being at home with family? How has that pointed you to God? How has that maybe even pointed your kids to God? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's such an insightful question. You know, I wrote Long Days of Small Things, Motherhood is a Spiritual Discipline, when my kids were preschoolers, and I have three children, and I kept, well, I joined this Bible study, and I would show up, and there were so many other mothers with children of similar age, and they always were coming in to the Bible study. Instead of feeling rejuvenated and restored and hopeful, they were coming in just so torn down and so full Mm. of sense of failure. Yes. And they would say, you know what, I think I just have to drop out of this Bible study. I have not had time to do my homework. Mm. I actually Mm. haven't had time to read the Bible. In fact, I couldn't even find my Bible. I finally found it under a pile of diapers and (laughs) dirty laundry. And and I tried tried to pray, but I fell asleep while I was praying. And I tried to get up. I set my alarm for 3 o'clock in the morning to spend some time with God, but I have two babies up at 3 o'clock, you know. It just goes on, and I keep hearing this sense of failure. Like, I'm just not able to Mm. have a spiritual life during Mm -hmm. this season. And I thought, wow, I'm hearing you say that you are serving, and you are serving, and you are creating, and you are nurturing, and you're pouring yourself out, and you're surrendering. And these are all God things. These are the places where God is. And if we believe that God is the creator— that he made moms, he made dads, he made wombs, he made babies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, he gets all this, and he's not just kind of saying, how long until you're done with this so that you can come and serve me again? Wow. You can come and talk with me again, and I can feed you again. I felt confident that, you know, I'll say moms, but caregivers of any stripe— Um, If you're pouring yourself out in obedience to God's call and invitation to the degree that you don't have time to serve God, I think think we're just looking at it wrong. So I wanted to inspire specifically moms in this book who have no quiet and they have no time for that (laughs) quiet time, that God is present and Mm -hmm. that the service that they're doing is service to God and the celebration that they're doing is celebration of God's life. That's Absolutely. good. Um, so I definitely feel like I have reacquainted myself with that stage of life in the past year. Um, <laughs> like you said, we are, we're all back to those long days of small things, however old our kids may be. Um, and I have needed to remind myself again and again that when I'm losing my patience, you know, I can just take a breath, remember that God is here, and mm-hmm. try again. Yeah. Uh, when I get overwhelmed, I can take a breath, remember that God is here, and try again. Um, so I do. I admit, I have gone back to this book and reread <laughs> some of my own words. <laughs> yeah, that's what makes for a good book. I'm yes. curious, uh, tying it back to your the, the book we were talking about in the first segment, All Shall Be Well, uh, how would you say, how do we as parents begin to help our kids understand this, like like uh, the problem of pain in their lives, or mm-hmm. even as far as death, when, when they come up against death or disappointment, how have you maybe, or what, what would be some suggestions to begin these conversations with your kids, so even at a young age, they can be able to be processing well? Well, you know, I am a bit of a armchair theologian, so I <laughs> do love these conversations um, with the, my kids. I love opportunities to just sort of bring them into real life because it's real life where they happen. 
Um, in both of my books, Long Days of Small Things and All Shall Be Well, I end every chapter. They're fairly short, easy-to-read chapters. I end each one with a couple of practices, mm. um, just some really simple things that you can do that you're probably already doing. Um, in Long Days of Small Things, I talk about washing dishes and driving the car, and um, in All Shall Be Well, I talk about things like looking at the flowers that are peeking up through the snow or going for a walk um, and how we can use those as opportunities to reflect on God. That's good. Um, so I, I do try to bring these conversations, these questions, um, these pains or these joys into whatever it is that we're already doing um, because I think that's where we actually are wrestling with them. It's not so much in maybe the church sanctuary or in the theological classroom where we wrestle. It's really, it's as we're shoveling snow or as we are um, planting the flowers or folding the laundry. That's where we're wrestling in our minds and our hearts. So good, Catherine. So helpful. Um, um, Catherine, I'm just thinking about the fact that our church lost someone this week, a young man, due to COVID. And I know there's a lot of people listening that have are just in a season where it feels hard and they're not sure if they can keep going. They're not sure if they can endure much longer in coronavirus. And I just wondered hearing you talk about being a armchair theologian. Do you have some type of pastoral word of encouragement for the listener who just needs some hope right now? Mm, I hope I do. Um, I would love to say to that listener, to you as you're listening, um, that oftentimes in life we get to the end of our rope and we still have to hang on. Like there's Mm. no other choice but to just keep hanging there at the end. But God is there. I want to tell you, I want you to hear my voice saying that God is here. You are not alone. You have never been alone. The God who created this world has stayed with us in it throughout, through thick and through thin, and even came through Jesus and suffered in a body. Mm. And God will have the final word. God will see his plan to full redemption. We might not see it Mm -hmm. with our eyes, but we will see it by God's side. That's such a good word. Such a good Appreciate that, Catherine. Before we let you go, uh, where can people read more of your stuff? Where can they find you online, social media, website? Why don't you give everywhere where people can find you? All right. Well, the best place to start is my website, KatherineMcNeil.com. McNeil is M-C-N-I-E-L, which is a little different. (laughs) Um, From there, you'll be able to find a place to sign up for my newsletter, uh, some you can read free chapters of both of the books. You can uh, find me on social media. Otherwise, I'm at Catherine McNeil on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Awesome. Catherine McNeil, again, is the author of All Shall Be Well, Awakening to God's Presence in His Messy, Abundant World, as well as Long Days of Small Things, Motherhood as a Spiritual Discipline. Again, that website is Catherine McNeil, M-C-N-I-E-L, CatherineMcNeil.com. Catherine, thanks so much. Thank this has been so a great joy. Thank you so much, Catherine. Oh, thank you both. Absolutely. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good here on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. Glad to have you with us on this Friday afternoon. 
You guys have any big plans for the weekend? We're staring at the weekend well, here. Well, we have big plans every Friday night. We watch WandaVision on Disney Plus as a family. It's weird. Our TV show. Is it not weird? Is it good? Uh, it is weird in that it's very conceptual. But if you like Marvel, if you like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I'm going to nerd out here for yes, a second. Yes. Uh, then you'll love it. I mean, it's a fantastic show. So we watch that as a family on Friday nights. It kind of took the place of The Mandalorian. We were doing that, and now we do this. We're big nerds at our house. That's awesome. And we eat pizza from Pizza now in West Chicago, so no, no, Friday night's now a big night. So we uh, we just started. My oldest daughter has watched all like you know Captain America yeah. or all that, and nice. no one else in the family has <gasps> except we've watched like three or four of them in the last two weeks. Oh, okay, okay. And uh, Iron Man and all that. Nice. It's good stuff. It was, it's really fun. So. Yeah, I'm a bi- I'm a big fan. It's kind of my like freak flag. I'm a little bit you, of a dork. I don't know if you follow. We talked about Rich Velotis yesterday. He tweets more about WandaVision right now than about Jesus. So you might want to hop on. I do follow him, but I haven't caught I think that. It was him. Yeah, I'm pretty oh, sure it was him. I got to get on that. Because uh, that'll give you an in, in something to talk about with him. So, uh, well, we hope you have bigger plans than we do. <laughs> Seriously, what are you guys doing this weekend? You didn't what say. Are we? I don't think we have any plans tonight. I know at some point this weekend we're seeing my sister-in-law and brother-in-law who live over in West Chicago. Wonderful, uh, great little town. I actually don't think we have big plans. Yeah, I mean, what big plans can you have in the middle of a pandemic, that's really? True. You that's go true. for a walk. Yes, exactly. Take the dogs out. <laughs> right. It is going to be 50 degrees tomorrow, so Woo! maybe we'll go for a long walk. So, or watch WandaVision. Maybe that'll be it. Start it. Pizza sounds You've got to get through the first three episodes, though, especially if you're not in, because the first two are a little conceptual. And... I always wonder about the ones where people are like, you got to get through the first season. you got to get through this. <laughs> it's not a great endorsement, is it? Just, it's like eating your vegetables first, and then you'll enjoy it. So, All right, I got a story for you. I told you I wasn't even going to tell you. I, I want your honest reaction to this, of something that happened to me I'm and my daughter at Starbucks the other day. Well, let me pet, paint the uh, scene. I went ran some errands with my daughter, Emily. She's 11, so... We're driving around, went to the library, went to some other places, and then uh, I knew she loved Starbucks, so she drinks some, like, dragon fruit, something oh, or other. Oh, it's like a pretty one, right? Sure. Yeah. yeah. And as you can tell, I get a nice tea at all times. <laughs> and so, uh, I just kind of surprised her. We pull into Starbucks, all right? And she's like, oh, are we doing... Yeah, sweetie, let's go get some Starbucks. And so, we, we order, and we're in the drive through and we pull up to the window... And I don't know if this ever happened to you, but the guy, the barista, or he looks down and he says, hey, it's your lucky day. The people in front of you paid for you. <gasps> oh, I love that. So I immediately was like, like my first reaction was just, this is awesome. I look at Emily. We're like this. And then I had a second reaction. I looked in my rearview mirror and there's a car behind me. <laughs> and so here was my dilemma. Okay. Uh, person in front of me paid for me. Right person behind me doesn't know that. Right. They have no idea. Barista knows that. Right. More importantly, my daughter knows this. Right. What do you do? I mean, you have to pay it forward or backward, I suppose. I feel like there's no good option. Okay. Here are the only times you can't. Okay. You're out of money. Period. Yeah. We've right? all got the app on our phone. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, you know, especially like you're a pastor, Brian. Like what if someone was like, oh, that pastor, he's the cheap one. Who they, didn't the light. <laughs> they didn't know um, that. They didn't know that. I, yeah, I, I, I'm trying to think because I think I've been in this scenario before mm-hmm. and I have done both. I have chosen to, okay, I'll fine. I'll get the person behind. Or, okay, fine. I'll get the yeah. person behind me. And other times I just haven't. I've just said thank so you and accepted it. Like, I have. Oh, that's gutsy. I think there's three options that I figured in that okay, moment. Let's hear there them. are three options. One, 
Thank you. That's awesome. Drive away with yeah, my drink. That's, that's one. That's receiving a gift. I mean, that's okay. Two is pay for them no matter what. Just whatever the order. Yeah. Three is ask what, how much did their order there cost. There you go. But then what do you do if that order cost <laughs> more than what you're... You ordered. Exactly. Are you on the hook <laughs> to have to pay... So I lucked out here. Let me just tell you what happened, but then I want to know what you would do. I did ask. Yeah. I kind of, in a joking way, yeah. I, I looked at the barista. I said, well, now I better ask, how much is their order? <laughs> Knowing what mine was, mine was like seven bucks or eight right, bucks or right. something, which is unbelievable because we have two drinks. It's ridiculous, uh, but yes, we the, all the pay dragon, it. <laughs> the dragon fruit is expensive. Uh, but I said, how much is their order? And their order was like three bucks. And oh. so I was like, awesome. Done. And I paid, I, you know, my daughter was impressed. Yeah. Like I kind of went out, but what would have happened? What would you do uh. if I, if my order had been five bucks and he said, uh. oh, theirs is 1150. I mean, I think and you've got your kid there. Yeah, looking I would have at paid you, it. I would have. I would have done it maybe a little begrudgingly. I'll be honest, but I would have been like, "All right, I, my kid's <laughs> here. I have to set a good I example." Lost out. But I'll, all right, you know what? I wonder though, how annoyed are the Starbucks people? Are they like, would people just pay for their? Uh, we don't want to keep doing this. Like, exactly. You know, how long does this go? Right? I, so I could have been doing them a service if I had stopped. <laughs> <laughs> but you did it. You paid. You were a good dad. You got the good dad award. So I paid it. Because I I would have paid it regardless with my daughter. So I feel like once you ask how much did their order you cost, kind of have you're on the to. hook. Yeah. On the, I could have just never looked the guy in the eye and just <laughs> driven away. Yeah, you Thank have. you. No, what if your daughter wasn't in the car? Would that have been a different scenario for you? Or is your like pastoral heart like, no, I well, would have just done it? nothing to do with me being a pastor. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I I think I still would have paid. Mm-hmm. Because there's that, it's quite frankly, it's you would think it's driven by like, oh, just as I was shown the gospel, no, I must show the gospel. Go. It's just shame in front <laughs> totally. of this barista looking down at me from his window 100%. on high. He's up high looking down at me going... And you know in his mind, he's going, what are you going to do? I know, it's so true. What are you going to do? And so I did pay, uh, but I lucked out. It was, it was our drinks were eight bucks, theirs was three. Yes, yeah, so you, got, so you basically got a discount there. But I do feel like once you ask, you're on the hook. I, I think that's probably reasonable, because then you look like a real jerk if you're like, oh, just curious. <laughs> How much is their order? Thank you. Thank you for telling me. Now, See ya. <laughs> I, ironically, I was joking around uh, before you and I started, I was in uh, our program director, Marcus Brown's yeah. office. And Marcus at least hinted that he would ask how much the order is and only pay as much as his own order was. Oh, like, so like put an offering towards it? (laughs) Yes. So like if mine was five and theirs was 10, I would pay five. So then the person comes up behind and is like, here, they paid half your order. You're stuck with the other half. That's not kind, Marcus. That's not a good, I think that defeats the purpose. It does until they're ordering. What if the person behind you is like, they've been sent by their office to go get like Like eight drinks drinks or something. They're like, by the way, that person paid your $8 bill, but you owe 46. 750 behind you. <laughs> I think that's next time I'm going to ask the actual Starbucks person. Yeah. What should I do here? What do you want me to do, barista? How can I serve you? Can I buy you a drink instead of the guy? I would like you to refer to him as barista. What would you like me to do, barista? As I look up at you. Yeah, they are. Tell that's me, also barista. so funny. They situate themselves like 
They put that window like three, two, they three do. feet They're above like, you. So God, they just looked down you. at you. And it certainly was made because my daughter was in the car. Like She was looking at me like. I mean, you have to we be. We talked about it on the way home, and she was kind of like, I wouldn't have paid. I'm like, well, you know. Yeah. I mean, go, you know, going back to Marvel and WandaVision, you had to be the hero, yes, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So well done, Dad. Good job. So in great pastoral form, if anybody in my church is listening, <laughs> guess what is starting the sermon this Sunday? <laughs> guess what illustration? Did you ask this your daughter it. permission for that? That's what I'm I want to tell know. her. They love when I oh, use they stories. Do. Oh, nice. Okay. So the other day, we're out of time. The other day, I told the story of my son. <laughs> He's going to. My 13 year old son and I, I opened the sermon with this because he was like, yeah, dad, you can do this. My 13 year, I'm just going to leave the story here. He is, my 13 year old son looks like my 13 year old son. Like we're, we're in and we went to Home Depot and we're both in our masks and a hat. And to make a really long story short, the, the cashier looked at my son and asked me if that was my wife. <laughs> it was the God's honest truth. And I just, I was flustered and I go, uh, I go, uh, no. And then uh, we walked out and we were both quiet. And I turned to my son and I go, we're going to need to talk about this. <laughs> and then we got home and I told, I immediately carry the da- my daughters. I'm like, you guys got it. And then I told our whole church. <laughs> That's amazing. It happened. She goes, is this your wife? And I go, uh, like, this is no, like, this is my 13 year old son. Boy, you weirdo. All right. Well, we'd love to hear from you guys. This is why we need to take phone calls one of these days. Because I want to know, what would you do if you were in that Starbucks line? I think uh, I think I handled it correctly. Definitely. Uh, but it was really shame driven for me more than anything else. So, <laughs> Well, anyway, glad to be able to have that conversation. Coming up next, we're going to start the next hour talking again about celebrity Christian leaders. And this one author who says celebrity Christian leaders need to be retired. That's coming up next year on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Coming up this hour, we're going to talk about celebrity Christians, and then we're joined by Luann Huska, author of Hurting Yet Whole. You're listening to The Common Good. Hey, friends, welcome back to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. My name is Brian Fromm, joined by Aubrey Sampson. As we close out the week, glad to have you with us. Well, one of the things we've been talking about uh, a lot uh, throughout the two-plus years of this show, but also especially over the last couple weeks since all the revelations of the Ravi Zacharias story, and just, you know, you can't understate uh, the reverence that people have for Ravi Zacharias right. Absolutely. and the depravity of the story that Absolutely. has come out. And, and I think rightfully so, many people are really struggling with like a lot of the quote unquote celebrity Christians. And we're going to talk about celebrity Christian culture here in a second. But a lot of the quote unquote celebrity Christians, if we're honest, when you and I are heard the stories of the people, you kind of went. I right. Could see it. You saw some flags, yeah, perhaps. There was, yeah, mm-hmm. I could see that. Mm-hmm. I get how we got there. Not uh, with Ravi, though. The, the reverence for Ravi Zacharias. Yeah. yeah. And if you go back and listen to our show the day after he passed away, we added to the reverence, just kind of almost mm. canonizing him. Wow, wow. And uh, so the reverence and then the depravity, uh, the borderline criminality. Not borderline. The criminality, the abuse, the assaults. Not borderline. The evil. Exactly. And so th- I think deprave is the right word. So, so yeah. people trying to put those two things together, I think, has really rocked a lot of people yeah. across the evangelical world. And yeah. so that's why we keep bringing up these stories, because deep down, one of the conversations underneath this is the idea of the 
celebrity Christian. Right. Uh, and so, you know, I have a best-selling author. You're here, you know. <laughs> we can talk. Uh, but before we jump into this, you told me you have a good celebrity Christian story. I want to hear it. I'm I ready. have a fabulous. Well, I happen to be friends with some celebrity Christians. I am not one, but... I was, uh, this is a really good story. I'm ready. I was attending an event with one of these celebrity Christians and got to feel kind of special because I got to be there <laughs> on the front row and I got to go to the green room and all that stuff. The green room. I love yeah, the yeah, green yeah. room. Oh, yeah. I've never invited oh, anyone, yeah. but and I love I the mean, green room. I got like, you know, you won't care about this as a guy, but like I got my hair and makeup done. Like it was a big, okay. I nice. felt special. Okay. So it's the end of the event. Mm-hmm. I look over, I'm just standing around talking to people in the lobby and lo and behold, my boyfriend from when I was 16 years old, who I haven't seen in 20 years, talked to in 20 years, is standing there. Okay. And um, this is not going to sound very godly of me, but um, he did not age very well. And here I was, like my hair and makeup. So, like, I, so I you felt so good about yourself. I, it was like the best moment ever. And um, the best part of the conversation is he goes... <laughs> Aubrey, you've done really well for yourself. And I said, well, thank you. And he goes, you're like famous. (laughs) Now, here's the thing. I am not. I'm not even close to famous. I am not even in the same category. I don't want to be famous. But I happened to be there with some people who were quote unquote famous. But instead of saying all that, I just went, well, great to see you. And I walked away and I just said, thank you, Lord, for this moment. You said, would you like an autograph? (laughs) That's what I should have done. So that's my, I, I, uh, I benefited from the celebrity Christians that, that I know that day. Awesome. Yes. But when you go to big conferences, and we haven't been to big conferences in a while, right. but they all come again, uh, whether you speak at them, but even when you just attend them, there is a weird dynamic of like, um, of like this celebrity kind of reverence where like the yeah. guy get, or the woman get off the stage and people kind of like just, I mean, I've seen They're people. They're fans. Autograph my Bible, yeah. which is a yeah. weird it deal. Is very or weird. autograph this book, or yep. can I get a picture? And there's yep. this line, yep. and I totally under—I don't understand the autograph my Bible, but I get the other part. Like, sure. okay, I've listened or I read this person. Yeah. I, I wanna... admire some things about in them or whatever. But I've always been struck. Again, I am—I uh, uh, am furthest thing from a celebrity Christian. I've always been struck in those moments of it would be hard to be that person I... if it were me. Because yes. of what it would do to my soul. Absolutely. I think the the ones that I know that are careful and full of integrity are very mindful of like, I I won't accept any of this mm. because I'm here for Jesus. Jesus may have given me some influence and may have given me some opportunities that other people don't have. Yeah. And there's a reality to that. For some reason, God has elevated this person or American culture has elevated this right. person, what have you. But the the... Christians, quote unquote, celebrities that I know that are actually faithful are really in their hearts intentional about rejecting that any level of like worship, yeah, right? Yeah. No, we don't worship me. We worship Jesus. Jesus is the miracle. Jesus is the reason yes. I'm here. And I, I, you know, I tend to, I tend to not. I think there is something wrong with celebrity Christians. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the term in and of mm-hmm. itself is mm-hmm. just countercultural to the gospel, yep. right? Um. But I do think we have to be mindful of what we've done to put those people there. And are we giving them our worship? Are we paying for their lifestyle? Are we 
Um, or are we saying, oh, God, thank you for this person. You gave them this tremendous book writing ability or this tremendous speaking ability. It moves me. I sense your spirit. Thank you, Lord, for that. Mm-hmm. Where's our worship going? Because yep. we're part of the problem. Yep. You know, and that's you got in my mind. That's exactly what I wanted to talk about, because it could be we can look at the Ravi Zacharias story, which is terrible. But we could look at you start making the list. James McDonald, Bill Hybels, all these people. Right. You know, uh, and not even people who've fallen. But, right. But people who are just. They, they're kind of the celebrity Christians. Yeah. I kind of smiled. That was my first, the first one that came to mind for me was Kirk Cameron. That was really funny. <laughs> oh, I love little Kirk Cameron. <laughs> no, I love little, I'm sure you'd appreciate Mike that. Mike Seaver. Mike Seaver's who I love, really. But I do think we can, we can kind of point a finger at them and be like, oh, I can't yeah. believe they're, you know, taking this Christian celebrity. But, but you're right. We've done something uh, culturally, mm-hmm. and I mean Christian culturally, yeah. to create this. And I actually think it's getting worse. In the age of podcasts, in the age of this social and that. media, the, the, because they're so visible and they're accessible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I can listen to Pastor X every Monday after he preached on Sunday. Yeah. Now I almost feel like he's my pastor. You know, this Absolutely. kind of thing. Yeah. So what would you say to people out there? Uh, how do we break that culture? Like, is yeah. there any turning? And what does turning even look like? Where we live in a world eventually of conferences yeah. and podcasts and books. Yeah. How do we kind of? Because it is. I think it's ugly. And so how do yeah. we get away from that? I mean, I, I think w- in one sense, you have to uh, go internal and say, what is this about right now? Am I trying to get my identity from that person? Mm-hmm. Am I trying to get their attention because that'll validate me? Or am I putting them on a pedestal that belongs only to the Lord? Mm-hmm. I have a friend who that was a real struggle for her. And so she just started unfollowing all of the quote unquote celebrities because it wasn't good for her soul. Right. I think for me, I tend to just say, oh, Lord, I'm going to pray for that person because mm-hmm. you've put them in the front lines. You've given them a lot of influence. I'm going to pray that you protect them, that you protect their family, that you protect their hearts and souls so that they can keep influencing people for your name and your gospel mm-hmm. and not become another Ravi. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to say something a little. I'm ready. Okay. Don't even preface it. <laughs> the list that you just gave, Brian, is a list of men. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And so I know female Christian celebrities that are faithful women and we're not hearing those stories from them. And I have to say that part of this is not just celebrity. It's the patriarchy. And we have set up these men to not treat women well, to think that they're all that, to think that they're Jesus. And that to me is part of the problem too. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, not all men. I'm not joking. all men. I I'm love joking. my husband. <laughs> yes. he's, he's a godly man. Ed Stetzer's a godly man. You're, You're a hundred percent correct. But the list you gave there is a there is a specific type of man that yeah. we hold up in the Christian world yeah. that is problematic. And uh, we need to have that conversation because oh, I 100 percent agree with you. I was just messing with you. Don't, uh, don't mess with me, Brian. Around that topic. <laughs> and just remember when when your next book comes out, just remember us little people. Just you know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Just Sorry. Remember us I gotta be people. my green room, so I gotta go. <laughs> going to the, you're gonna guest host and come here like five minutes late. Just throw it. Just here we go. I'll make demands. I want so, my Starbucks here. I do think, and I'll I'll pay for the person behind me as well. So <laughs> I do think it's a super important conversation. This whole idea of celebrity Christian culture, I think is actually getting worse. And uh, and we need to have that conversation. Well, next, we're going to be joined by Luann Huska. Uh, she's the author of a book called Hurting Yet Whole. Luann is going to join us to talk about that next here on The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Everybody, welcome back to The Common Good here on AIM 1160, Hope for Your Life. My name is Brian Fromm, joined by 
by our guest host, Aubrey Sampson. I don't know how many times you have to guest host before we just say you're the co-host Officially for just today. Say Aubrey Sampson is here <laughs> is for today. Here, right. Is here for today. So we're thrilled to have Aubrey with us again. And we are real excited to be joined uh, on the phone by the author of Hurting Yet Whole, Reconciling Body and Spirit in Chronic Pain and Illness. That is Luann Huska. Luann, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. It's absolutely our pleasure. Luann, why don't you introduce yourself so our audience can get to know you a little bit before we talk about your book. Sure. So I live in West Chicago, so I am co, um, I guess, neighbors with Aubrey and um, have three little boys. I went to Wheaton College and I'm currently a freelance writer. I write for Christianity Today, Sojourners, and other publications. Awesome. Nice. Luann, I love the title of your book, Hurting Yet Whole, Reconciling Body and Spirit in Chronic Pain and Illness, partly because I suffer from chronic pain and illness. So I think the fact that you're writing about it, it's something that needs to be written about. I'm just wondering if you could give us a little insight. What is your book actually all about? So, yeah, I also have a story of chronic pain, which started when I was um, in my early 20s. Mm. And um, from that period of intense pain where I couldn't walk very far. Mm. Um, I had a lot of questions for God and for the church about where my body belongs or if Mm. there's even anything I can learn from my hurting body or if I need to, um, I think a a message that I got a lot was that I needed to sort of ignore my body in order to be Mm. like whole as in spiritually whole. Wow. Um, You know, to just, be able to overcome things, um, and I that didn't sit with, well with me because I I think like from the incarnation and just the whole creation story, we we know that God really honors and values our bodies. And right, so right. I really wanted to explore like what my body as a person in pain um, could say about um, our human experience and maybe shed some light on the gospel even. So that's what um, I set out to explore in my book, and I do that through my own story, but also through some um, telling some of other people's stories, as well as bringing in theology, and I'm trained as an anthropologist, so I gotcha. have um, some of it there as well. That's great. It's exciting. We have Wheaton College grads all over the place here. I love so it. And they're just good. putting incredible work into this the world. And we get to and talk we, about we it. We're just talking to microphones. So, uh, Luann, I'm wondering, uh, that, that's such an important topic about this kind of, hey, just worry about the spiritual, not the body, mm. and this kind of separation. What happens when we either consciously or subconsciously buy into that dichotomy of like, you know what, our bodies don't really matter. What is the danger in that? Yeah, so, like, the whole part of my title, right, I'm asking, like, what does it really mean to be whole? And so I think God created us as this unity of body and soul, and when we we buy into the idea that we, we are only, like, our spiritual selves are maybe our superior to our physical selves, mm-hmm. and um, our physical selves are kind of a shell that we need to kind of escape from, then um, I think we lose this whole aspect of the human experience. Like our bodies are a source of wisdom and knowledge, even though like I think in Christian circles, we have been fed a lot of distrust about our bodies. Um, That's true. But also um, we, there's so much about the human experience that um, bodies and like what bodies are, like bodies are vulnerable. We have limits. And I think we've all like, 
recognize that to a, a more intense degree because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, we're so vulnerable to, um, you know, viruses, but also just to sudden death. Like, who knows when we'll die? Right. So if we don't embrace that aspect of who we are, then um, I don't think we're able to also fully experience what the gospel is for us, which is Christ coming to be fully human, right. um, be a human body, and in the resurrection, he still is a human body. So yep. um, I don't think we ever can get out of that. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> right. To continue to reckon with throughout, you know, here and in eternity. That's so good, Luann. Thank you for that. Um, I think I have a question for you. Something you said early on was that you struggled to know how to sort of be a person in a church, in a body that was hurting. And I was just wondering, how can the church get better at caring for those that suffer with chronic pain and illness, especially maybe when you can't tell, right? Like their their pain and their um, uh, disease is perhaps not as obvious as some other ones. How can the church get better at caring for people who are in constant pain? Yeah, um, there's a lot of invisible illnesses going on in the church, but also just everywhere among our neighbors and our friends. And I think people are afraid to, you know, when something's chronic, it's like you don't want to be that person that's constantly asking for prayer and right. constantly asking for meals. You feel like you're, you've kind of met your quota. <laughs> that's so, so true. How much can ask for help? Um, so I think, like, first of all, it's just changing like, the idea of what's valuable and how we talk about, like, what is a valuable contribution, whether that's in the church or in the world. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we think of, like, ministry as something that you do. And so, like, what if, you know, your pain or illness keeps you from being able to be at church all the time? Right. Or do those, like, active things that people think of as, like, service, um, I think we have to kind of re, like, find a different story to tell about, like, what's a good Christian life. Mm. And um, so that's the start, just, like, you know, really broad, like, changing how we think about bodies and what's, what's productive and valuable. Um, but then as far as, like, um, more practical things, I think what people that are um, going through like, ongoing suffering, whether that's um, something physical or emotional or relational, um, I think what's really important is that we don't approach them as like projects that we like work to fix, because um, I think that that can be a tendency within the church. Like, Definitely, maybe you're suffering. Let me just like tell you all the things you need to do mm-hmm. so that you can get better. Because your suffering makes me really uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. How to deal with that? Um, but I think we need to learn to sit with the discomfort of like there's not an easy answer to this and. Sometimes the best thing we can do is just be with a person while they're crying or mm. simply listen and not offer any advice or any, like, you need to try this or that, but say, this is really hard and painful and I'm with you in this. And I think that, you know, the, the example of Jesus gives us that model for being with someone in pain without, you know, without needing to, like, immediately escape to the resurrection, like, Jesus sat with us in the deep, dark places and in the, that spot in between um, crucifixion and resurrection. Yeah. And, and that's a place where we can um, we can be too because God is there. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and Luann, with like the last minute we have, 
uh, that's a great word to churches and stuff. What about the person who's listening? They're in their car right now or they're at home and they're in chronic pain. Like they mm-hmm. are struggling. Could you, with like the last minute we have, just provide a word of hope for that person? Yeah. Um, I have been in in that spot. And I, like I, I guess the first thing I would say is that it's, it doesn't stay that way forever. Even yeah. though it feels like, you know, in the moment, like, I remember in some of the worst times of pain, like, oh my gosh, I, this is only going to get worse. How mm-hmm. am I going to cope with this? I'm mm-hmm. going to be bedridden for the rest of my life. Um, so it's really helpful just to know that um, things change. Um, like even our bodies and the pain, like things come and go, or maybe it like, feels really emotionally weighty and heavy. Um, but that also changes. Like um, there are seasons to everything, um, even if the pain or the illness keeps going. Mm-hmm. And then that um, that Christ sees and values um, your body and your pain. Not that um, it's going to make sense, but that there's like a solidarity and and a sense of like Christ holding that that I want to offer to whoever's in that place where it feels like I just can't go on. Yeah, um, you know, Jesus said. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Mm. And I think we can really rest in that, that Christ is with us in our pain. It doesn't make the pain go away, but it makes it more bearable. Yeah, that's good. That's, good. that's, good. that's Luann Huska, uh, author of Hurting Yet Whole, Reconciling Body and Spirit in Chronic Pain and Illness. You can find her at her website, uh, com. That's L-I-U-A-N-H-U-S-K-A dot com. Uh, and again, we encourage you to go wherever you get your books to find Hurting Yet Whole, Reconciling Body and Spirit in Chronic Pain and Illness. Luann, thank you so much. We really appreciate you coming on. Thanks, Brian and Aubrey. Thanks so much, Luann. It's our pleasure. You are listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Everybody, welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. Happy to have you with us on this Friday evening. Hopefully you're done with work and looking forward to a great weekend. Supposed to be a little bit warmer outside. Can't wait for that. And now we get that slush and this and that. Oh, but hopefully you actually see green grass and you're like, okay. Oh, yeah, remember there's grass under there. That is nice. It is amazing how 50 degrees after all of this (laughs) feels like we're on the beach. It's so true. It feels like Southern California. I'll bet you I'm just outside tomorrow. Like. It's Getting not a, a tan, yeah. like out on the front lawn. Do you remember at Wheaton? Like you, you and I both graduated yeah. Wheaton. Remember Wheaton? It'd be like forty-five degrees, and you'd see people doing their homework on Blanchard oh, yeah, lawn. Oh yeah, they're like, like out in morons. shorts and sandals. <laughs> yeah. yeah, always ultimate frisbee because that's what happened at Wheaton. <gasps> right, <laughs> or hacky sacking. Is that I'm the right word? You hung out with. <laughs> <laughs> the hacky sack kids. <laughs> the hacky sack gang. <laughs> it sounds like a children's book. <laughs> sounds like there's like a. Uh, like a little song to go with the Hecky Sack Kids. That's I'll, c- funny. I'll come up with that and I'll sing it to you at some point. <laughs> but yeah, it's supposed to be beautiful this week here in the Chicagoland. So hopefully uh, it's, a, it's a great weekend for you. Uh, we're in the midst, as everybody is obviously fully aware, we're like a year into the coronavirus Ugh. pandemic. Uh, it is. It's like March 8th or something where we started shutting stuff down last year when we were all like, no, this will be three weeks. This will be whatever. <laughs> Seriously, This will be and the like, summer. Oh, this will be the fall. Oh, oh, oh man. wait. It's going to be a year plus. And last year it was all like, do we, oh, or are we going to be open for Easter? Little did we know we were asking that about Easter 2021. I mean, think about that. <laughs> wow. Wow. At churches, it's thrown everything up. Schools, you and I have been talking, we've all, both got kids in the public schools and yep. it's like, what are they doing? When are they going? Our kids are actually going to get a little more in school 
school instruction come April. Nice. So yeah, every little bit helps. And every so little bit helps. Out. And so uh, all sorts of craziness. But I found this article at the Washington Post that I thought would be interesting to discuss. Uh, it's simply titled this with a phrase that none of us would have known a year ago. Think about if you read this phrase a year ago, trying to remember what this is. It says, Coronaphobia. Hmm. COVID anxiety has a name. Here's how to cope. So let me just describe uh, how this article describes the actual I'll use the word condition of what they're talking about. And then later we'll talk about how to cope. It says we're living in a time when every little cough, sniffle, olfactory or circulatory problem can elicit a knee jerk bout of worry. Is this the beginning of COVID-19? Yeah. For some people, however, it's more than a fleeting concern. Experts say in research shows that the pandemic has triggered a surge in health anxiety. In wow. fact, health anxiety related to the coronavirus has been given its own name coronaphobia. So let me just pause there. Uh, I'd never heard of this phrase or even really this description, but it actually makes all the sense in the world. It does make sense. So talk to me about that. Is this something that you've seen culturally? Uh, is this something you see in <laughs> I'm yourself? I'm like, do I have coronaphobia? Right, you right, know? right. And I, so, and so what, how would you, as you sniffle into the back, <laughs> so how would... So I don't have corona, everyone. What, what would you say to this? Yeah, I, you know, I... It's sometimes nice when there's a name. Mm -hmm. I feel like sometimes just being able to name things reduces the power in it. <laughs> and so the fact that we can all kind of go, oh, this is just coronaphobia. Now, I imagine for some people it's more severe, maybe yeah. to the point where they're still afraid to leave their homes. Maybe they're afraid to um, begin to move into normal activities. So, you know, I'm sure there's therapists that are ready and able to talk about this. But for those of us who maybe you're in your head a little bit about it. And I know I've, I suffer from allergies. So in the morning I cough or right now I have the sniffles and I'm a lot of times I'm like, is it, is this going to be the thing? And yep. now I can go, Oh no, you're okay. You've just got allergies. Like you always have. This is just coronaphobia showing up. So now we have a name. I feel like help is available because of that. What do you think? Yeah. I, that's uh, I totally get this. And this is really interesting as I've tried to think about how have I seen this, not just in my own life, but in people around me, because I think it's less about, uh, for me or people that I know, it's less about, am I, do I have COVID right now? Mm -hmm. And more about, uh, I'm, I, I, I'm scared to go do that because I might get I COVID. I might get COVID. I'm yes. scared to do that. I might get COVID. I'm right. scared to come back to church. I'm scared to send my kid to school. I'm yep. scared to go out to eat, whatever yep. it might be. And we've got this weird cultural moment right now where you've got some people you would never know there was a pandemic. It's like, <laughs> right. They're we're living going life here, as if, we're going yeah. there. What are you doing this mask for? And you've got other people who have essentially still been shut in for a year now. Yeah. Uh, and even, even without underlying conditions, just mm -hmm. kind of fear mm -hmm. and kind of everything in between. So for me, the coronaphobia doesn't really manifest itself in do, am I sick now? Yeah. It's, will I get sick if I do that? Is that unwise? And, and, right. and, and what's hard is that it, she wouldn't mind me saying this. My wife and I treat coronavirus very different. Yeah, COVID. interesting. And, and that become, and I doubt we're the only married couple out sure. there who feels this way. <laughs> right. And so, and so we are constantly, I feel like, having to have conversations about like, you know, are are we going to do this? Are we going to do this? Mm -hmm. I think we should. I don't think we should. Yeah. Maybe we shouldn't. And and like kind of navigating that relationally. Which is, yeah, which is part of marriage, but can also be hard. Like, mm -hmm. uh, you know. It, and we're in a good spot with it. We understand where each one is, but I think that that's where this kind of hits kind of the rubber meets the road for me. Like, how do yeah. you show grace, not just to your spouse, but to other people around you? are in you? a different place about yeah. on the spectrum of how they feel about Corona. And then you add into it. I mean, you told that heartbreaking story yesterday of a friend yes. who died at the age of 26 yes. last week. And yes. so, 
you guys, or specifically his family, mm-hmm. they have reason to. Now they've got they've got this kind of traumatic event mm-hmm. that is going to rightfully cause anxiety, and yep. others don't. Yeah. Uh, and so I don't know how we put the puzzle together right now, but um, what does it look like for us to to kind of help each other work this out, but also show grace to one another in this? When you're in different places yeah. about it. Yeah. I mean, even, even going back to our friend Michael, who died so tragically and suddenly uh, from COVID complications, Kevin and I, I think we're beginning to get, we, we've never been loosey-goosey about mm-hmm. the virus, but we were beginning to go out to restaurants. Mm-hmm. We were beginning to meet with friends. We were beginning to just open our lives up again. And this happened, and we both just went, oh, we okay, let's pull back. And really? for right or wrong, that was our reaction. Makes like, sense. Um, our kids actually had a play date today, and we said, you know what? We're not going to do it. Maybe mm-hmm. outside, maybe in a few mm-hmm. days, but right now we're just, our emotions are kind of heightened. Um, and thankfully, I mean, this is a good ex- a good way to answer your question. The friend who we were doing the play date with said, I completely understand. Mm-hmm. I said, I'm so sorry. I know this might even be an emotional reaction, but I need to cancel the play date today because this situation happened and I'm a little bit tense. And she said, absolutely. I totally understand it. Let's not even worry about it. We'll revisit it next yeah. week. And yeah. I think that's the grace, right? Because she may be thinking, oh, Aubrey, you're being over. But she didn't act like it. She right. she honored the way that I felt. And that's it. I mean, this is what we always talk about, right? We just have to honor each other no matter where we are. Yeah. yeah I, the idea of being loosey-goosey. Like, I described my wife and I being a little different. I think my wife's pretty normal about it right now. And I sense myself getting, like, yeah. I'm kind of done. You're like, kind of over gonna, it. Oh, after so then a I year, hear a story hard. like you told yesterday. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. <sighs> like, that's not an 80-year-old. That's not. A, right. and, and you start to. Uh, yeah, if my wife was listening, she'd be like, well, I'm kind of the normal one. And I always tell her, like, yeah, you're actually handling this much better. Cause, but we've had that, you know, they've got my kids have friends whose parents are much more strict than we are. Yeah. And we've had to teach our kids, hey, we're you, it's not just about what do we want. It's about what do your mm-hmm. friend's parents want and what do we and we're mm-hmm. just going to put those pieces together as we go. This article at The Post, let me just quickly read the headings. It talks about because some of you might be having this kind of anxiety uh, and he says, here's how you could get a grip on this health anxiety. And these hopefully may be helpful. If not, uh, so be it. It says, stick with a healthy lifestyle. That's good. Uh, number two, practice mindful acceptance. Uh, it says, when you feel worry flaring up, sit with your health anxiety, accept that it's there and put it in mental blocks box so you can proceed with your life. And I like that. Number three, calm your nervous system. What are some things you can do? It's kind of flight or fight. Uh, f- uh, yeah, flight or fight response. Uh, the next one says refrain from excessive checking behaviors. Oh, wow. Like getting a WebMD every hour is right, not really right, helpful. Right. Constantly probably smelling for things like, do I have my sense exactly. of smell? Yep. Exactly. The next one's easier said than done. It says change your mindset. Mm. Uh, the way you think about bodily sensations or overall health can provoke anxiety, it says. And the wow. last one, it says seek professional help. And yeah. I think that's important. Yep. Uh, anxiety is a big deal. And so if yeah, you are, if, if you've got kind of anxiety that's really getting worse, seek professional help. Call a counselor. Uh, talk to a friend uh, and, and see, you know, get some help along the way. But this whole idea of coronaphobia, I think it's a big deal. And here's the deal. Vaccines, everything. I don't think this is going away. Not oh. just coronavirus, but coronaphobia. I think we're now going to live in a world where we all just treat everyday life differently. Absolutely. Think, this is going to be culture making in a way we don't even realize. I think we'll look back and go, oh, man, things changed then, didn't everything they? Everything yep. changed. Yep. So we'd love to know what you think about coronaphobia. Well, coming up next, we're going to close out the show, close out the week. No pressure on Aubrey, but she found this article from the ChristianCentury.org. <laughs> no pressure. I'm a philosopher. We can't think our way out of this mess. Coming up next here on The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. 
Happy Friday. Welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. Thanks so much for joining us on this Friday afternoon. Aubrey, you made it through another two days. Can you believe it? Yeah, this last two have been in the studio. But if people could see right now, we've got like this glass partition between us. Yep, we're very safe. We have hand sanitizer here as well. It just sprays from the ceiling every two (laughs) minutes. It just comes down. (laughs) We are not getting sick today. Yep, yep. We put on our hazmat suit before coming in. But it is weird, isn't it? Like you park. People don't know that studio you park in a parking garage. Come on up and. It's just different. Like to be in public is still like I'm used to it, but it's, it's also weird. Like, it's still you, kind of a novel thing. Like, oh, I'm out in the world. And like you come to the uh, to the elevators downstairs and someone else is getting on. You're like, are, are we supposed <gasps> to get on with them? Together? Are we not allowed to? We yeah. got a mask. It's just a uh, it's a weird it's a weird world that we live in. It is surreal right now. And isn't something, it? something we touched on last segment with coronaphobia. I do wonder how are things ever going to change? I don't know. Uh, that, that's depressing. It, it's going to change. It's going to change, but not new normal, right? Yeah. It's not going to go back to the way it was. I mean, don't you think there'll be people who wear masks for good now? Oh, 100%. I think it, that's true. I mean that in public, not like well, for good. <laughs> like there's, 100% there's going to be people that wear masks in public from now on. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. I wonder what happens. Like, I'm a big, here's it, like at our church, we're small enough that, that I, it's pretty old school in this sense where I'll preach and then... The whole church will sing the benediction while I go to the back, oh. and I'm the I'm that pastor who stands at the back and door and like greets everyone out, handshake, I love hug that. everybody who leaves, That's and so I'm awesome. just a hugger. Like we're hugging. Yeah, is that ever going to come back? Uh, I mean, I to this day, like I told I you, know. we're still doing a service with like 50 people signed yeah. up. Mass. Yeah, I still stand at the back, but it's you all do. fist bumps. Yeah. See ya. yeah, and it's kind of annoying. And but I like it. It's what we can do. At least it's some face to face interaction. Yeah. I feel like that's important. I yeah, I don't know. I think everything's different. I even just keep wondering about like uh, online services. We talked about this. Do we do we keep an online service from now on as an offering to people who so. may or may not want to come? Uh, Zoom small groups like. I think some of those things are here to stay. Even like our kids are off school today. Uh, in general, I'm just wondering even about like snow days. Are they gone forever? Because now our kids can go e-learning. I thought that they were, but our kids had a snow day like two or three weeks ago. Oh, we're, but we did too, but they went to school. They were on e-learning. No, ours, they canceled oh, yours school. didn't. Well, oh, my okay. high school daughter, they, okay. had, they, they went to e-learning. Okay. But my others, they, they canceled it and their reasoning had to do with like, uh, they didn't trust that everyone had brought their stuff home or something oh, like sure. that. Oh, sure. Okay, okay. But I actually think you might be right. Like, now that we have this framework for e-learning, you yeah. can see them be like, hey, anytime there's snow in the forecast, be ready to go from home. Go online. And uh, that's kind of sad. Like, remember the snow I day know, when you'd wake up and be like, days. snow day? Like, yep. it was like, it was this awesome thing, but I suppose we get it back in the summer, so good enough. Uh, all right, well, let's close the show this way. Uh, you found this article at Christian Century. It says, I'm a philosopher. We can't think our way out of this mess. He says, "I'm." this is James K.A. Smith. I told you off air, I can't, I wish that I had a double initials for my last, for like my middle name. I feel like we could just make one up for you. What's your middle initial now? J. 
So and it's James, so I could J A. I could be Brian J A. From done, done, and done. All right, I'm in. Here you go. Congratulations. <laughs> he says it's I'm, official. I'm throwing in my lot with the poets and painters, mm. the novelists, and the songwriters. I'd love to know what struck you about this. We don't need, you can read part of it or yeah. not read part of it, but what just just uh, as we kind of close the show out, what struck you about this article? Yeah, he's a philosopher, and so I do think it's interesting that he kind of said, "Hey, the thing we're dealing with right now, we are not going to have enough logic to like get us out of it." Yeah. The year of the pandemic or the year of the racial tension, the year of the political unrest, we're not going to be able to like make sense of it, mm-hmm. I think ultimately is what he's saying. And instead, we're going to have to learn to love people, which is what we talk about here mm-hmm. at The Common Good. How mm-hmm. do we love people even when we're different? How do we find that common good? And then I think the other thing is it's not about mental assent or, yeah. or mental acumen at this point. It is really about experiencing God in the middle of this heartache. and. Yeah asking what God has for us. So I I liked that article. He was talking about how when he was younger, he felt called to be sort of a defender of the truth Mm -hmm. and he was going to do whatever he could to convince people of things that were right. And now he's like, you know what? (laughs) I'm finding that it's just hard enough to love people. Let's just start there. Exactly. Yeah. What do you Uh, think? I think that's really good. He talks at the end about, uh, I think we will convert people from below, from the imagination up. Mm. He says philosophy doesn't speak imagination. Uh, the logician speaks a tongue that's foreign to the heart. And it's this idea that a lot we are a very rational uh, culture. That's uh, so true. We are a very uh, facts, knowledge, all good. Mm-hmm. But, but like that is held above emotion, heart, or just like you said, loving. Our, uh, yeah. And, and I think when you come up against something, particularly like a pandemic, right? your mind can't get around it. That's it. Like you're going, 500,000 people are dead, or you're going, <sighs> wait, we should be able to figure this out and end this. Like, And it's like, yeah. I think that has been one of the struggles of this year. Uh, obviously, the biggest struggle is health in this. Set, but for people who haven't been sick, one of the greatest struggles is like everything that I thought I knew about mm-hmm. how life functioned mm-hmm. has kind of been turned upside down. And mm-hmm. so what do I do with that when you can't do this or you're told yeah. you can't do yeah. this? We've always been told, put your mind to stuff and you can do whatever you want. Right. And Especially now, as Americans. That's our big, yeah. like, you can do anything. Yeah. And now it's like, okay, what do I do when knowledge isn't enough? And I think this philosopher here going, I'm, I'm in a field that's all about knowledge. Right. Saying, you know what? Uh, it, it's, it might be about, like you said, uh, even though I can't explain this, how do I, uh, how do I, you know, connect with God in this, or how do I connect and love my neighbor in this, yeah. even though I can't explain it all. And I think that's a huge shift. Some people out there might be like, well, that doesn't make sense. Well, just think about how you feel when you can't explain everything. Right. And I think that's what he's getting at. We've lost the ability to just be like. Well, I can A plus B equals C. Like, it all makes sense. Yeah. Life doesn't make sense right now. It definitely doesn't make sense right now. And I do appreciate that he's saying, let's begin to sort of speak a different language instead mm-hmm. of trying to make sense of it. Let's allow our imagination, the arts, poetry, literature, other things that God has given us. Let's look to um, those folks and see if maybe they can offer some type of I'm, answer is probably not even the right word, but yeah. some type of hope, some type of meaning. Um, some type of sense in what feels so senseless. And I, I think you're exactly right, Brian. We, As Christians, sometimes I, I do think we're almost afraid of our imagination. Yeah. We forget that God has actually, like, he's sanctifying our imagination. Mm. He's sanctifying our creativity. He's at work. He's a creative God. Yes. And so he has allowed us, Im- imbued that in his children. And so... 
those are some ways that we can grapple just by um, expressing our own imagination and our own creativity to God. And I think another way to do this is through prayer, right? Lord, I don't have answers for this, but you do. So I'm just going to cry to you even without words and trust that you're going to take care of this. That's really good. And I think the last thing I'd say about this is uh, also our doubts and our struggles. Mm, That's good. So often as Christians, we feel guilty if I have doubts, if I have struggles, if things don't make sense and we just kind of push them away. And I do think as you read in scripture, I mean, just read the book of Psalms or I wish there was someone here who wrote about the book of Lamentations. (laughs) Uh, Who would that be? And so there, the Bible is full of crying out That's right. and going, God, you don't make sense in this. Mm-hmm. And, and I think we have to be okay with that, especially in the midst of a pandemic going, I don't have every answer sewn up here. Right. And so, uh, yeah, I think this is, this is a good way to send people out. Like allow your questions and your concerns and your, uh, your doubts to push you to God. There you go. And not away. There to you go. Prayerfully as you're on a walk this weekend in the beautiful, the beautiful, sunshiny weather. weather. <laughs> go allow yourself to do this. Well, Aubrey, it is always a pleasure to have you here. I think we'll need to have you back again. We're, Thanks we're so much for that. having me the past couple of days in the studio. In the Love studio. It. In the studio. Well, we're glad that you joined us as well this week. We hope that you have a great weekend. Join us from four until six on Monday. For Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. You've been listening to The Common Good, AM 1160. Hope for your life.